Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Welcome to the Heart of Dating podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey, hey, family, it's Kate Warman here, and I want to welcome you to the Heart of Dating podcast today. I am just so glad you decided to listen in. Now, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know that we are really committed to bringing you content that is rich and also really diverse. And one topic we've never covered yet is dating and disabilities. So today, I wanted to bring you a beautiful and inspiring conversation around that topic specifically. And I just really cannot wait for you to hear from our guests about their empowering story. Years ago, Chris Norton suffered a spinal cord injury while playing football at Luther College in Iowa. The doctors gave Chris a 3% chance of moving anything below his neck. Four years later, he defied the odds and walked across the stage at his college graduation with his fiance, Emily Summers. The video of them went viral and gathered over 300 million views and caught the eyes of country's top media outlets. Three years later, Chris attempted another incredible feat, this time perhaps the most important walk of his life, down the aisle with his wife, Emily. As with the graduation walk, Chris prepared relentlessly, spending four hours per day in the gym. Chris and Emily joyfully conquered their challenge, and they walked seven yards down the aisle after their wedding ceremony. If you guys have seen this video, it totally brings tears to your eyes, at least it does for me. Highly recommend you Google it or go on YouTube. It's so, so beautiful. Today, Chris Norton is a well-respected motivational speaker and speaks at numerous events across the country. Chris's message focuses on the fact that we all face challenges, but our circumstances do not define us. We do. Now, earlier in 2019, Chris and his amazing wife, Emily Norton, released a book, The Seven Longest Yards, which y'all is such a good book. And the foreword is written by the one and only Tim Tebow. And this year in 2020, a featured documentary about his story called Seven Yards, The Chris Norton Story is expected to debut. Chris also created the Chris Norton Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people with spinal cord and neuromuscular disabilities. Chris and Emily have adopted five amazing girls, and they have fostered a total of 18 children. They both are deeply committed to providing a safe, loving home for children in need. Y'all, they are just such a stellar couple all around. I love them, and I really wanted Emily and Chris to come on the podcast because dating can be so inward-focused. And in an age of the hookup culture and so much consumeristic mindsets, I just love how selfless Emily and Chris are in their mission together. 
Now, before we get into this episode, I want to say a huge shout out for listening to this podcast. You guys, thank you so much. And I want to remind you to subscribe so you receive the latest episode automatically downloaded wherever you are listening to the show. We also read every review. So if you love Chris and Emily's story, be sure to leave us a review and let us know about that. All right, without further ado, here's Chris and Emily Norton. Chris and Emily Norton. Hey, you guys, welcome to Heart of Dating podcast today. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Kate. So awesome. I've been looking forward to having you guys on the podcast, and I've just been really inspired by your journey. Watched some of it unfold on social media, in the news, and I've recently read your book, The Seven Longest Yards, and it was just wonderful. It was so inspiring. I found myself laughing and crying and just really being able to connect with the both of you and your stories. And so for people who don't know about you guys, maybe they saw something on social media, but don't know your full story, or maybe they've never heard of you guys before. I'd love to just start our conversation with hearing about your journeys individually, and then how you guys kind of met and came together. Yeah. So for me, um, in 2010, I was an 18-year-old uh, college kid, uh, freshman year playing college football, and I suffered a severe spinal cord injury on the sixth game of the season uh, while making a tackle. And I was instantly flown out uh, to have emergency surgery. I was given a 3% chance to ever regain any feeling or movement back below the neck. Uh, my life was just completely flipped upside down. And just having to like navigate this new life and try to like figure out like my new identity. Mm -hmm. uh, before, you know, I was always wrapped up in being an athlete and a competitor. And I kind of had to like rediscover myself and figure out what my true identity was, which, you know, doesn't come from your physical movements or like what you do, but like who you are. Mm -hmm. And just through that journey, I uh, eventually, you know, started a, a nonprofit mm -hmm. uh, to help other people with disabilities. I started to regain strength throughout my body, and I was able to walk across the stage of the college graduation, though, with help of Emily. Yes, um, when, I love that story. Yeah, <laughs> and we started dating, you know, um, three years after my injury. Uh, she just came alongside me, really pushed me, and helped me make this graduation walk happen. I proposed to her the day before, yes. uh, which was really special and nerve-wracking, and <laughs> It would have been really awkward the next day if she would have said no. So <laughs> she said yeah. That's true because she was going to help you walk across. And yeah. that would have been really weird. <laughs> yeah, it would have. But that video went viral. So as you mentioned, like maybe people have seen that on social media. Yeah. Uh, that's been, you know, viewed over 300 million times across the world. And wow. uh, lots of different um, national and international uh, shows have displayed that video. Mm -hmm. And so then after that, uh, we went out to conquer our next goal, which is to walk seven yards down the aisle of her wedding. Mm -hmm. And we were able to accomplish that. And again, that video went viral of us walking down the aisle. And, and then along the way, we uh, became foster parents. Uh, we've adopted Yes. Uh, we came out with you know, the, the book and we have a film coming out. Yes. Uh, I do motivational speaking, but that's kind of like in a really quick snapshot um, <laughs> yeah. know, our story. That was an awesome quick snapshot. I love it, Chris. And <laughs> yeah. Emily, I'd love to hear some of your background too um, and story because I know you just have had such a passion for kids, for, for struggling kids. And so I'd love to hear a bit about that too in your story. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Iowa and I just come from a very, very supportive and loving family. 
I always knew I was loved and special, always there at any sporting events or anything that I did. And when I was in high school, I started a mentoring program and mm-hmm. I met Whitley, who is now actually our um, daughter. Yay. And she at the time was in elementary school and I started mentoring her. And she shortly after that was removed from her mom mm-hmm. and placed into foster care. And that's when my eyes were completely opened. I had no idea that there were kids that I knew, kids around me in my community that were being abused, neglected, um, that they didn't feel like they were loved or special. Like, I just, I didn't know. And I was in shock. But at that point, like, I just knew that is my mission. That is a purpose why I'm here. That's what made me come so alive is trying to help kids in these situations. Mm -hmm. So that's what I have done ever since uh, I met Whitley is just really, I went to college for family services. I've worked in group homes and really tried to just mentor and be there for kids in these situations. Um, And then we met, I met Chris and I was very drawn to him because he had similar passions for just helping others. And Mm. um, I thought it was just amazing how he had something so life-changing where he could have been so self-centered and focused on his needs and what he needed and what he needed to do. But instead he started using that to try to give back and help others in hard situations as well. So that was something that really drew me to him. And then yeah, I mean, it's just been a dream of mine to be able to be foster parents and adoptive parents. And it's just something that I love and I can't imagine not being able to do it. Oh my gosh, I love it. I just love seeing your stories through the book, even just reading that individually and your passions and your heart for other people. And now to see like you've adopted, you were fostering, but now you've adopted, right? Five girls, five, right? Five. Yes, so Whitley yes. and then four other girls. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Four others, three-year-old, six-year-old, eight and 10. Oh. And then Whitley's 20. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was so cool. I'll just say this on my own personal note. When I was reading your story and reading about Whitley, like I didn't actually know until later that you had um, adopted her. I guess I could have probably just looked that up and know that. Yeah. But um, it was so amazing. I was like crying and everything. Oh. But it's just such a beautiful story. You guys have just amazing, amazing hearts. And, you know, another part of this, which is so funny for our listeners, and I was just shocked to read and hear that you guys met online. Oh my God. We did. (laughs) It was an interesting way that just God brought us together. And it was pretty cool how he was able to put our stories together and help us introduce ourselves to like a a lifelong person. (laughs) Yes. I love that. So I kind of want to start there. There's so much we can talk on, but like kind of the beginning, you know, because when it comes to dating someone with a disability, there can be some stigmas around that. And uh, I mentioned to you guys before we started talking, but we do have some amazing men and women in our community who are experiencing a disability and they've found just some difficulties in dating and feeling like they've just been judged off the bat, you know, and being written off sort of. So the, kind of the, where I want to start is, you know, you guys did meet online, so you hadn't met in person. And I love this part when in the book, Emily, you kind of mentioned that you never once, it never crossed your mind to think, oh, he's in a wheelchair. I don't want to have to deal with that. Uh, and I, I, that really struck me. I was like, wow, that is incredible. And I think a lot of listeners might hear that and be maybe a little convicted about that. Like, I don't know if they could say the same, right? So I'm just curious to ask you in the beginning, like what really unfazed you about Chris and his character or just meeting him even online before you knew him and not having any judgment towards that? Yeah, I mean, I would say that naturally, I just, I think it's pretty easy for me to like see who someone is as a person um, and really focus on the important things in someone. Um, And so I was really just like focused on 
how he went through something so difficult and he was still extremely positive and still living his life and he had used it to make himself better and the people around him better versus like it taking him backwards and just, you know, because I know life's hard. And that's yeah. something that I really wanted in a partner was somebody who wasn't going to be phased by the hard things in life. And they were going to be a fighter and fight through those difficult mm. times. So I was very, very drawn to that. And then, like I mentioned before, just like his passion for helping others really mm. drew me to him as well. I would say also, I was very naive to it. I had never known anybody who was like a wheelchair user that that's what they use all the time. Like my grandma used a wheelchair when she would go to the mall or somewhere <laughs> yeah. she'd have to walk a lot. But other than that, I knew nobody who relied on a wheelchair to get around. So yeah. I was like very, very naive to like understand what that would be like, what that would mean. Mm. So I would say for a while there, like when I was just trying to get to know who Chris was and um, the deep parts of like how he was able to get through his injury and um, everything, I was just very, very curious about how he could do that. Because I myself, like you get caught up in little things that don't matter. And then he is, you know, had all of these physical challenges he dealt with every single day. And I'm like, how is that even possible that he is this positive? Like he's way more positive than me. I don't get it. So I was super interested to try to figure it out and um, to just, you know, really try to get to know him and who he was as a person. So I think that's like the beginning part. And then Chris made it easy too. He was very confident in his skin. And Mm. so, um, yeah, like when I, when I first met him, he's in a wheelchair and that was just something very different to me, but he was very, very outgoing and a great listener, great mm. at conversations, like made it super easy. He, I didn't think he seemed um, just, you know, self-conscious at all. Like he just seemed very confident, which I think helped me to not see those things either. Right. I love that. That's so beautiful. Oh my gosh. And I think that's just so amazing to be able to see a person's character and their heart and what their vision is for their life and how they care for others and how they're able to turn hard situations into something beautiful, which Chris, you obviously did so well. And so I also want to then follow up and ask you, Chris, like I, there's a point in the book, I think it's on page 16, where you share like that, you know, you hadn't allowed yourself to really hope that a woman like Emily could look at you with pure love and devotion in her eyes, um, that she could see you and not your wheelchair. And, um, you know, I think that even though your situation is different compared to people who, who aren't in a wheelchair, I believe at the same time, this also is still hitting at one of our biggest fears around intimacy, which is, will this person accept me for who I truly am? Will this person see me for who I am and accept me? So walk us through some of that process and what that was like for you, Chris, to really like kind of battle some of those thoughts, but really start accepting the love and the care and the the genuine nature of Emily in this process. Yeah, I think in the beginning, like I first had to start loving myself yeah. and valuing myself. Cause at first I didn't. Like I just like did not love myself. I like I hated the situation that I was in and like I didn't love me. So how is someone else supposed to love me either? Mm. Oh um and so I just like kind of went through this battle. But then like the more you know I lived and I realized that people don't care so much about what I can do physically. They care about like who I am as a person and the love, the joy, the value that I can offer other people. That's what people really care about. So when I saw that, I didn't lose friends. I was still able to gain new friends. Mm -hmm. I just slowly kind of built my confidence that I can still, you know, uh, function and, and like go back to school. Although I have to do things so much differently, I need so much help and doing this or that, but I I can still do it and I can still 
um, have something to offer and, and, and be of value. So I started again, just the slow process of valuing myself and seeing um, that, you know, I, I would be, I think I could be worth it for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, as I'm going through this journey with a, a wheelchair, especially as a quadriplegic, you know, the first thing people see is, you know, my disability, they see my physical challenges. So mm-hmm. I'm always, you know, the guy in the wheelchair at first. But then, you know, I always want to get to know people and I want them to, you know, start seeing me differently. So it goes from the guy in the wheelchair to Chris in the wheelchair to just Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just see me as Chris and, and nothing and more like it's just um, that the, the wheelchair, the disabilities, they don't doesn't phase them because they just know me for who I am. And I think um, that's so important for really anybody, no matter if you're going through a disability or not, just to really get to know someone at their core and who they are. And I think that's so important. And that's, uh, was always kind of my goal and something I had to break through to people. But if someone got caught up with the physical challenges, then obviously like they weren't really worth it. They, they weren't um, mm. the, the right person for me. So, um, you know, they say that there's a lot of fish in the sea. Well, my, my, the sea just got a lot smaller for me and it could narrow out a lot of people who were, you know, got caught up in the physical aspects. Yeah. That. And I would just say like, I'd add too towards the beginning of the relationship. Um, I know there was uh, people in my life, family and friends that were very um, cautious and had concerns mm-hmm. about me dating someone in a wheelchair. So mm-hmm. that was something that I kind of had to um, figure it out and get through too. I mean, they all came from such a good place and it was, I think a lot of lack of knowledge and um, just not what like like my parents didn't expect it. They didn't understand it. They had no experience with it. Yeah. It was like the lack of experience um, where they had concerns of like, how is this going to work? Mm. How is she going to be able to take care of him and have kids someday? Because that was something so important. Like there was just all of those fears that creeped into their minds um, at the very beginning of our relationship. When I was like just seeing Chris for who he was, mm. but so I had to just stay really strong with that. And I felt this peace inside of me and I, um, just felt like God wanted us to be together. And I had that piece to just like help them, those concerns, you know, explain it to my parents. And then once they got to know Chris, all of those concerns went away. Like they right. saw that we were really good together. And, but it really did come from just lack of experience. And mm. so that was some interesting, you know, waters to kind of try to get through that. It also, I would say too, like probably more like months into our relationship. is when I started having some other concerns. Like it's not been like where it's all just been, you know, I just, I I guess that those fears creeped in um, for me too. Once it was like, how is this going to work? How is it going to work where I want to have a big family? I want to have a lot of kids. There's always a, there's a lot on my shoulders already, but what about when you have kids, are we going to be able to do it? Mm. And then too, like the comparing was a killer of like my joy for a while there with comparing our relationship to other people's relationships. If we wanted to go, we couldn't go hiking unless Mm. there was, you know, the the sidewalk, like we couldn't do certain things that other couples could. Um, And when I focused on that, that's what I saw. So it took away then what we had and what we were able to do. Mm. So that was a big thing for me is to figure out how I could focus on what I could, what we could do. And, um, how I just knew that Chris was like, had all of these qualities that I needed in a man and to put everything else aside and to just continue, you know, on the, the route of that, because that was where then we were able to do so much stuff when you focused on it. Yes. Uh, but when I did, it took everything away from our relationship and cast all of these doubts 
which I think is just superhuman for people to go yeah. towards what they don't have and compare to what others have in general. So um, that was a, something that I'm really happy I learned because it goes to every part of my life of not comparing to other people. Mm -hmm. And to just take those thoughts captive when you have those thoughts of like, yeah. man, I wish we could do that. I wish we could do that and change it to, yeah, I can't, we can't do that, but we can do this. Mm -hmm. And that's where it changes everything. And you're able to just enjoy the life that you have. That's so good. I feel like what you're tapping into as well, Emily, is just this thought of like a lot of times, and I see this a lot in dating, but it spans beyond dating for sure. But there's like this level of where God's path is. But then if my hands down here and then like maybe a foot above is like my expectation or two feet above that. Mm -hmm. And in between all of that is just a sea of disappointment. If we have our mm -hmm. expectation because we're leveling it based on comparison for what a standard should be, quote unquote, or what other people have, then in between that is a whole lot of like, I'm going to be disappointed. But if I can instead make my expectations closer to what God's reality is, what like aligning that up with God's will, it makes it so that we don't have, we're not living constantly in the sea of disappointment. So it's kind of like giving right. our own reality check of like, what is our expectations and are our expectations realistic? Are they aligned with God's expectations? Are they selfish expectations? Are, you know, like there's the difference between living in the almost a, the poverty mindset versus the abundance mindset of, yes. and I think yes. that I love that. I love that you guys were able to both individually just seek such a positive mindset. And I kind of want to touch on that even a bit more because whether that's in a dating relationship someone might be in right now or people just feeling weary in their season or feeling like, oh my gosh, my I am in a relationship and there's a lot of things I didn't expect were going to come up. How did you guys practically continually change your mindset. And I know, Chris, like mindset was a huge part of your journey and staying positive. You talked about that, that. I read a lot about that in the book. Would love to hear even just more about how you guys continuously brought your mindset back into a healthy, like life-giving place. Yeah, I know for me, like kind of what Emily was saying, like I had to get into this habit of just focusing on the good. Like it was almost like a a game like it's like an I spy game of positivity where um, I had to just like extract all the good that I could from like every sing single situation because uh, there's so many things a laundry list of things that I can't do that could just send me down the wrong path so uh, I just you know obsess over the, the possibilities and what I can do uh, which is huge and then uh, you know through our dating relationship um, I just had to be really open-minded and just kind of like ready for things not to go right and just uh, seeing Emily like be able to be there right by my side and work through kind of the obstacles that we went through um, some of the you know the challenges that uh, we would experience that other couples wouldn't so whether it's just traveling or me just being able to drive to Emily uh, you know Emily had to be the one that was commuting to mm -hmm. to my college because we were three hours apart she had to do all the driving and all the heavy lifting and just um, just trying to navigate those things together, be open, honest, uh, and be communicative. Yeah, like continuously coming back to communication and being honest about it instead of squashing mm -hmm. it down. And I know that in this process too, just within the mindset conversation, just facing insecurities. Like what did that look like for you guys of feeling insecure and, and making sure that you're not sticking in those dark places? Like I know 
like that happens for a lot of people. I think I see that really affecting dating today is a lot of when I date coach people, it's not just like, here's how you get a date. It's how are you showing up to the date? How are you showing up in your day-to-day life? Because that's going to affect actually how the date goes. Yeah, I would just say uh, for me, I had to just be really aware of my insecurities because uh, my indication was like my first instinct was to find what could go wrong and why she wouldn't want to be with me anymore. Mm. Like the gig is up, like you're exposed. Like um, that wasn't good enough that she was just going to at any second leave me. And so I was just on high alert um, for every little sign that might point towards uh, she didn't want to be with me. And I had to just recognize it for what it is. that It's just fear that I didn't want to lose Emily and not to act on that fear and on that insecurity and just kind of keep those insecurities in check. So, um, you know, I love, especially in the book writing process, you know, Emily talking about how confident I was, which I am, you know, I'm a confident guy, I was confident, but I did have so many insecurities that I had to wrestle. Like I had to bury them and know that they are insecurities and not to like bring those out because I know they weren't healthy. I knew they weren't always true because it's just my fear, you know, telling me it, this could be it. And so I think uh, just wrestling those insecurities and being aware of them and not always acting on those insecurities was uh, really big for me. Uh, just one thing in particular that was um, kind of funny for us was when em- we were first trying to meet up, yes. um, Emily um, suggested that she comes over and picks me up from my friend's house that I was staying at. <laughs> And that she can put my wheelchair in her back of her little yellow car and just throw me in the front seat. I'm like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> she has no idea the process that it takes for me to get in and out of a vehicle and for my chair to be like loaded in a vehicle. Like I need a big vehicle. Like I need typically a, a pretty strong person to get me in and out of a, of a car. Like I had a, a wheelchair accessible van. Like, oh my, she doesn't realize like she it's going to drop me the first time she looks at me or she sees like how much help I actually need. Mm. So it's like little things like that where just like, Oh my gosh, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. But just to like level myself out and just like keep pressing forward and just um, not let that, you know, take the control of me. Sounds like there's a lot of like self-surrender in that process. And like what I, I kind of love too in that messaging, because I, I remember reading that and Emily, you just described Chris earlier as like he was so confident to you and you are, you're a confident man. But I think the beauty of confidence is that it doesn't mean you don't have any insecurities. It's just whether mm-hmm. or not you choose to let those rule the way you're living. And so, yeah. um, and the awareness of them, like I have plenty of insecurities, you know, like, but it's like yeah. when I'm walking into a situation, are Am I letting my insecurities dictate how I'm showing up or am I going to say, no, I see you. I see that you're there and I'm not going to choose to not live like you guys are the ones ruling the show. <laughs> um, I think we we have that choice to make in, in dating. And I love that you were able to do that, Chris. And I love, Emily, that that's the way because he was able to do that. That's the way you experienced him. It's amazing. Yeah. No, for sure. Because I think if he would have shown those insecurities or like questioned me and question me leaving like I think that would have probably added a ton of concerns to me into the relationship um but because he didn't like it I didn't have those concerns yeah that's awesome Hey friends, so I want to take a quick break today in our incredible conversation to share with you about our amazing sponsor for this episode. 
And something you should know is that I really only agree to sponsorships with brands and businesses that, first of all, I just really love and believe in. And then second of all, that I actually think will be really helpful for you. So that being said, today's podcast is brought to you by Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a faith-based online therapy network that is a part of the larger BetterHelp community. If you've listened to this podcast at all, you've probably picked up on the fact that I am a huge fan of therapy personally, especially in our singleness and dating seasons. Let's work on all these things before marriage, okay? But not only that, I especially love therapy that incorporates Christian principles, prayer, and spiritual practices. Through Faithful Counseling, getting connected with an affordable Christian therapist is so easy. All you guys have to do is fill out a form about yourself and your needs, and Faithful Counseling will connect you to a fellow believer within their network of licensed professional counselors. Once you are quickly connected to a therapist, you can start communicating in under 24 hours. You can log into your account at any time and send your therapist a message and get really timely and thoughtful responses back. You can also schedule weekly video or phone sessions and do all of it from the comfort of your home. And might I add, in your most comfy attire, winning! Now, I've been doing therapy virtually for over a year now, and I just love it. Now, another benefit of using Faithful Counseling is that there is such a broad range of expertise in the Faithful Counselor Network that may not be locally available wherever you live. So that's another great perk about Faithful Counseling. And then the last cherry on top is that a lot of people don't do therapy because of the cost, but Faithful Counseling is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. So guys, if you've been looking to try out therapy, but you're like one of these excuses, it's too costly, you haven't found the right person, or you don't want to go to the office, I want you to consider trying Faithful Counseling. And for Heart of Dating listeners, today you can get 10% off your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash heart of dating. All right, guys, that's it for now. Now back to the episode. So you guys, I mean, I want to kind of dive into as well. I want to know what you guys would say for anybody who is listening, who is hesitant about dating a person simply because they're someone with a disability. I mean, certainly there's a level of a choice that goes into that and it might not be the path that God has for every single person, but how would you kind of encourage them to be, I mean, to be real about it, but also to be open-minded? I really want to give that message to people listening who maybe just has never really considered that before. Yeah. I mean, I think about this a lot is if I would have, you know, let the fears of other people and um, what is, you know, the normal thing get in the way of our relationship. If I would have just discounted Chris because he Mm -hmm. was in a wheelchair and he did have physical limitations, like I would not be living the life I'm living. And that's scary to me to think about. And Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm honestly just filled with so much gratitude that I didn't let those fears get in the way. And I was able to just stay in tune with what I felt like God was wanted for me and the the will he had for my life and, um, and try to push those away because we are, we're living like the best life that I could have ever imagined. And I know without a doubt that we are supposed to be together and that God had this, this plan to bring us together to be able to just help others too. And we can do it so much stronger and more because we're together. I'm so thankful that I wasn't, I didn't let those fears get in the way. And I was able to just follow the plan that God had for my life. And uh, we are just living a life that I absolutely love. 
Mm, I love that. I love that so much because there's just such a charge to be just more open-minded. And something that you guys keep talking about, which I really love, is that you just have a joint passion, a joint vision, and a mission for your life to really serve other people. And whenever I'm talking to individuals when they're dating or have troubles dating, I'm like, well, do you even know what your purpose is? Like what you what your calling is, what you're passionate about, because a huge part of marriage is finding some level of a joint vision to serve the kingdom. You know, and maybe that isn't that you guys are the couple is starting a business together, right? Maybe it's, you know, you have to have eight to five job and whatever, and you do something together outside of that. Maybe it's inviting families into your home or mentoring kids in high school. But I love how you guys found this joint passion. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about how that has just really made you thrive in your marriage by finding a joint passion together. I think that's been huge. I think it's really put into perspective what's important. Mm. And um, before we were fostering and before we had adopted, I know like we used to get caught up in the littlest things that did not matter at all. Mm. And we used to argue over it and just butt heads about it where now just when you have something that's so important, I feel like it really puts everything else in perspective. Mm. Um, And just being able to put God first in our relationship has been huge, uh, which is the same thing with, you know, knowing what's important and what's worth fighting and what's not. And um, to just be able to come together and uh, just be able to communicate and, you know, get through those moments too. But I would say that that's been just being able to do something together that we both care about and both that really matters and seeing the difference Mm -hmm. and the impact it's making that we feel like, you know, we're a part of is something that's been really important for our relationship. Mm. It's amazing to me to see you guys like it really is so inspirational because the, I think one thing that's lost in our culture of marriage today is we're just living for ourselves. You know, we're just mm-hmm. like, how can this person best serve me? How do I feel around this person? And a lot of what's lost within that is just really serving other people. I mean, there's an importance to taking care of ourselves, of course, right. but like, where are you serving a greater vision for the kingdom of God? Where are you serving other people? That's not so just me, me, me. How is this person making me feel? But how can we together do something really amazing? And you guys just have conquered so many different things and are still like probably one of the biggest, the couples I admire most in the way that you're serving other people. It's really, really beautiful. Well, I think that helps to not be self-centered too yeah. is when you serve others, when you can use the hard things you've been through and use it for other people's good to really help other people. Mm-hmm. It does take off like focusing on yourself. And um, I know like at times I've been caught up in like only thinking about me and it's just a life that just, I don't, it just, you constantly are just disappointed and um, <laughs> living in a, a place that's not like a th- place where you're thriving. But when we've been able to just take what we're doing and go- come together and then serve others, it's mm. the best thing ever. And it just fills you up and makes life worth living. Mm, so good. Now, I, I, you know, a big part as we're talking about serving one another, being each other's biggest cheerleaders is a huge part of this. And there's a story you guys tell in chapter 10 of your book about moving to Michigan so that, Chris, you could work with a new trainer. And when you got there, things just weren't exactly at first how 
you thought they were going to be. And I loved, there's a story there where Emily, that night you decided you were going to have like this fierce moment of encouragement and determination. And you challenged Chris to walk to bed, which was a really far walk. And you empowered him and you helped him. And I honestly was brought to tears reading that story. Just the beauty of how partners can lift one another up in some of their darkest hours. And Mm -hmm. I think that this is something that's just lacking in terms of understanding really what it takes to be sacrificial for a partner and be there for another person. And so I'm sure this is just one of many stories that you guys have of being there for each other. But I'd I'd love to hear more of that. I'd love to hear more of what it's looked like when you guys when and I know Emily, there's a journey that you went on too of struggling with depression and things like that. But what what mm-hmm. has it been like for you guys to really choose to be one another's cheerleaders? Yeah, I mean, in that moment was definitely a huge turning point because, yeah, we just got to Michigan. We relocated 15 hours away, and I get there, and, you know, things weren't meeting my expectations. So there was a ton of disappointment and a lot of questioning of was this worth it? Is this – did I just relocate for nothing? Is I just relocate Emily for nothing? Like I just – like all this guilt, and then just – I was just seeing everything that was going wrong, and – uh, in that moment of disappointment, I just wanted to go to bed, but Emily like refused to let me go to bed. She was just like trying to pick me up and she's like, let's, let's do a walk. Cause she knew I was frustrated with my training and I was like, I don't want to do a walk. And she just took the brakes off my wheelchair. She started pushing me backwards. I'm like, Emily, come on. So I was like, Nope, you are walking to bed. And uh, when Emily sets her mind to something, like you listen. And so she just, I mean, she was backing me up. She just kept going and going. We got all the way into the kitchen. I'm like, oh my gosh, Emily. Like, there are really only two people that we know in Michigan. And this is a long walk. Like, if we get stuck halfway, like, who do we call? Like, we're just, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Like, we're <laughs> yeah. going to the ground or something. And she was just had this like determination that we're going to do it and made me have to, you know, rise up, like pick up my game. And we, we did it. We did that walk and it just was so uplifting and encouraging. Like she kind of like helped me see like what was possible and what I can do. Mm-hmm. And that encouragement was uh, a huge turning point for me to just uh, reinvest in myself and like believe in myself again, mm-hmm. um, because I kind of lost that belief there for, for a moment. And she, she really found that in me. And uh, it was just such a huge moment for us. And mm. uh, yeah, like you said, like it's so huge to have like a partner that when you are low, that they can pick you back up mm. and be there for you. And that's, you know, too, I, I want to be that for Emily. I want to like, when her low moments, be that cheerleader, be that person that can pick her back up. Yeah, I think that's super important with relationships is like, you know, when someone else, your partner's struggling a bit and to be able to kind of fill in that gap of, I'm going to do whatever it takes to help them get past this point if they're discouraged or struggling or upset about something, even if it does mean that you've got to sacrifice some time or some sleep or whatever it is. um, I just feel like that's part of the job is making sure that your partner is doing okay and that there's just those times where the other person has to step up and be the person that can push them further and help them through whatever they're going through and just help the other person know that they care and they're going to be there no matter what it takes. And it really shows it displays love like it, it makes something that can be invisible visible mm-hmm. and I think in those tough moments that's when really you, you see someone's love come out 
Gosh, I, I, I just love that picture of like, when you're weak, I'm going to stand in and help you get back on your feet and be strong, you know? And I think it's just a picture too of like, wow, I mean, when couples these days go through a fight or have a hard moment, it's so easy for us to just be like, okay, I'm giving up now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, well, maybe there's something easier. And I think that's kind right. of the trend we've gotten to. It's like a disposable dating is, dis, you know, dating someone is kind of disposable. And not that right. you need to marry every person you date, but I think right. we need to have a different perspective of, okay, if I'm really seeing qualities in this person where their heart is really aligned with my heart and with what I think that God wants for my life, how do I fight for this instead of run away from the moments that I feel like it's hard? Because Emily, it would have been easy for you in that moment to be like, well, I uprooted my life and I moved to Michigan and, you know, I put these things on hold in my life and now Chris is down and oh my gosh, like I'm just done with this. You know, it would have been like, I'm done. It could have been really easy for you to do that. I think that would be the easy way that a lot of people choose to do. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's true. It's just like when something gets uncomfortable or hard, the easier thing to do is just be like, all right, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight it. Like it is what it is. And kind of just accept it versus like having the attitude of, you know, it's going to be relationships are uncomfortable a lot and there are hard moments and there are going to be times that the other person's struggling and you've got to fill that in. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of just open communication and just being there for the other person. Yeah. And I think like in our, world like with our instagram life world like you know you're just seeing usually the the best parts of people's relationships or you don't see uh half of it you don't see 90 percent of it you're just seeing one little part of it and i think you know with us yeah we have this um this faith that really like combines us this mission and all these different things that really have brought us together and just makes so much sense like in love but like we have our hard moments we we have our fights and disagreements and things that we have to work through. Um, so like no matter, you know, what relationship you see, I'm sure there's going to be moments that they have to work through and it's just part of life. You just got to work through it. There's going to be ups and downs. Mm, So good. So for anybody listening right now, who is a person with a disability, Chris, I'd love to just, or Emily, either one of you guys, if they're like, okay, how do I do this? How do I get the courage to ask someone on a date? Maybe it's online. Maybe it's in real life. Like how would you give them the empowerment to just do that, to just ask them out? (laughs) Well, you'll be in the exact same spot. Like if they say no, right? Uh, Like there's, you gotta at least try. I mean, Mm. you give yourself a chance every single time you put yourself out there and the past doesn't have to always be your future and what's going to be, uh, you can change it. And that's, what's, you know, great about life is that, you know, life can change on a moment notice. Mm. Um, you know, every day is a new day. And so just, you gotta just keep putting yourself out there. There's going to be tough moments. You're going to get rejected, but, uh, doesn't mean the next time um, someone might accept you and, and give you a chance. And I also think it's you know important to show um, people that there's more to you than what they may see or know yeah. about you through like a disability, that you're so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And make sure that you give people the chance to see that side of you. All right, you guys, this has been just an amazing conversation. And I end every conversation with asking our guests the same question. So you guys are going to get it too. I'm curious to learn what is your final nugget of dating advice for the Heart of Dating listeners today? I would say to put God first. Um, I think that's where our relationship has just done the best is when we both put God first. 
And then everything else in our relationship has fallen in place. And then obviously just having open communication. Like for me, I shut down and I, when something gets difficult, I kind of, you know, take it internal, which is not helpful at all in a relationship. (laughs) I have to fight like, Hey, this is bothering me. And I have to just say it, even though I like to do everything myself and kind of like figure it out on my own because it just doesn't work like that. So just that open communication of something's bothering you, let it out before it just, you know, keeps bottling up inside you. And you just, um, you know, like have a freak out because it's all there. So just, you know, letting it out before and just super open conversation. So Yeah. And to piggyback off that, something I heard is that um, what breaks apart relationships aren't necessarily conflict, but unresolved conflict. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that's so good that like, yeah, if there's something going on, it's like, it's better to let it out. And there might be a little bit of a conflict, but it's working through that conflict that will heal and resolve the issue so you can have a better relationship. And then for me, I would say, you know, don't treat people how you want to be treated, treat people how they want to be treated. And I had to really learn that because in the beginning I was, I would treat Emily like how I would want to be treated and how Emily wants to be treated is different than me and how she feels and experiences love is different than me. And so just recognizing that and being aware of that um, so that, because I want her to feel loved. I want her to feel special. I have to just recognize, you know, my own personal tendencies and, and change that. Um, to best serve her and so that she knows that she's loved and, and cared for. Um, mm. It'd be my uh, dating advice. Yes. I love that. I heard that before. Like, don't just do what onto others as others do onto to you. Like, learn how to best serve another person, how they want to be loved. Right. And mm. I typically, I'm like, oh, I love words of affirmation. I'm going to give that to everybody. And that is a gift of mine, but it's not always what other people, they don't always receive love that way. I mean, some of my yeah. friends mm-hmm. receive love by me showing up or spending like quality time with them. You know, this is getting into love languages, but like figuring yeah. out and not assuming the way we want to be loved is how others also best receive love. I love that advice, yep. Chris. <laughs> You guys are wonderful and I'm just so grateful for your story and just for what you're doing to really touch and impact people and serve others through just all the different elements that you guys are doing. And so I'd love for people to be able to connect with you. Um, how did, what do you have going on? How can they best find out about those things? Tell us all the things. Yeah. So, um, the best spot I would say, um, for us would be through our social media. I know definitely like on Instagram, we're, we're pretty active on there. I'm at Chris A. Norton 16. So yeah, Chris A. Norton 16. Emily is... Just Emily Summers Norton. Okay, perfect. And then um, my website, chrisnorton.org. And through the website, you'll see all my my speaking that I do. I have a nonprofit and we have a a kid's wheelchair camp every summer, which is a blast. Um, We got uh, the book and... Uh, upcoming film, a documentary film called Seven Yards, which we're really excited about. Mm. Um, so we have a you know number of things going on and just uh, trying to raise a, a happy, healthy family. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys. I'm going to make sure we put all of that in the show notes so people can find it and find where to buy your book, which is so, so good. Um, I read it really quickly because I just loved reading this story. I love reading more memoir type books because it's like, ah, just inspiring stories are so incredible. So thank you guys for writing that. I know it's hard to write a book. It's really hard. (laughs) So you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your insight, wisdom with our dating community. They're just, I know going to be so touched by this. 
Oh, well, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Y'all, Chris and Emily are simply just phenomenal. Now, I want to call out three big things that stood out to me within the conversation today. First of all, Emily did not judge Chris for being in a wheelchair. She saw past it and looked at his heart. Y'all, how many times do we swipe left on people on dating apps because we are judging on first glance? Whereas Emily saw a man in a wheelchair and noticed the beauty in his character. I just love that. Also, Chris conquered his insecurities by mentally being incredibly committed to fighting against them. Because of that, he was able to conquer some of the most impossible odds. You guys, sometimes we just need to look at our mindset and be committed to changing it. And then also what I love is that Emily and Chris together today live to serve a mission greater than just themselves. They're making such a difference in the kingdom of God, and that is an inspiration to me and I hope to you as well. You guys, I'm just so grateful for Chris and Emily, and I hope this message just challenges you and your walk throughout dating. Thanks, y'all, for listening, and I'll see you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. 